0: Welcome to season seven of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Greteman Group and Xstand. The show is for all levels of experience talking marketing, business, and branding with the brightest of minds as our guests. Lots of learning and laughing. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 141 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing these days, focusing on strategic content creation, including podcast and event production, hosting and emceeing. The show is brought to you by Powers of Marketing. And if you haven't yet, please fill out. We have a brief listener survey that we'd really, really, really love for you to participate in. Links in the show notes. It's also on Making a Marketer podcast. Dot .com and we want to try to create a two-way conversation with our listeners so please check that out miss jen cole i this is the second time i've seen you this week this is exciting Yay. how are you doing it's snowing in wichita Yeah, uh, we always talk about weather
1: it is <laughs> it's a winter wonderland out there but it's kind of nice too because you go outside and it's not like it's not gonna kill you it's like 37 degrees outside but we got those fluffy flakes and it's really pretty i yeah, like my this colleague inside.
0: showed us uh she turned her camera around on her laptop and it was she's <laughs> like look how big these flakes are they're huge they're beautiful it's wonderful
1: this is the best kind of snow like there's awful kinds of snow but there's this kind of snow and this is my favorite I love it yeah awesome
0: very Very cool well I am pumped about our show today a referral from one of our previous guests and I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation I want to welcome to the show Ryan McCarty welcome
2: hello thank you so much I am thrilled to be here it's gonna be super fun and nerdy conversation for sure
0: Yay! Yeah, yeah. Just really we're going to nerd out a little bit. Yeah. We don't do too many nerdy shows, but this is going to I think it's going to be actually a good little mix. When Jen, Same. I shared your paragraph with Jen about what you get excited about. She got <laughs> she said this is going to be such a good show. So yeah. I want to say up front, too, that I used to not name the show until after we did it. But I started I, I started on this path of like naming it before. This is definitely going to be a title that comes out of what comes of this potpourri. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Brian, as I I looked at your website, all that you've done and are passionate about, we of course, we got really excited to speak with you. We could go in a million different directions, but I digress. Let me read your bio. Brian McCarty is the Director of Marketing at Orem, the simplest API for fast, reliable payments. As a B2B fintech marketing leader, Brian has been the founding marketer for several successful brands, including Bano, acquired by Jack Henry in 2014, Move, and Hummingbird. As a connector at heart, Brian gives back to the fintech marketing community through his passion project, fintechmarketers.com, a free job board helping fintech marketers discover the best fintech marketing jobs. Okay, so I have a pre-question question question I read on the fintechmarketers.com website, or maybe it was your website, that you said you took a hiatus to reset. I, but I don't really I don't really see any gaps <laughs> in your in your employment history. So I'm like, how long have I, how you just, did he take?
2: Yeah, it was a good 3-4 months and I was still freelancing and contracting with Move, helping out with oh, some projects. Okay, so but I gracefully that's... stepped back. I was just burnt out. Uh, I'd followed the founder of Move Wade for quite a right. number of years and just reached a tipping point. So, yeah, stepped away for a good 3-4 months.
0: Okay, that makes sense. The the yeah. the The freelancing thing element there that I... All right. Very cool. All right, Jen, let's get going. Oh my gosh. So I'm really
1: excited about this because community is one of my favorite things. Absolutely. One of my love languages. And from what I can tell, it sounds like we might have that in common. In addition to your agency background, which I'm like back in. Like It's funny because I said once I got out, I was never going back and then I'm back and I love it. But the the thing is... (laughs) Yeah, I got out to do community management. I went back, and you know, back to social media management. But community, now that I'm back in an agency, it's a huge buzzword these days. But what people don't understand is it's not just a group of people, you know, in the one spot. It's not just your email list. So what do you think that it is that companies get wrong about community?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's what you just said, right? It's they are viewing it as this new channel, a new tactic. And it's like, how are we going to just, we got to check the box, right? We got to... yeah do ABM. Uh, we we did that last year. So we got that. We're doing that. Now <laughs> oh, community, we got to check the box for that. And what are we doing there? And I learned a ton about community when I was at Move because it truly, the business started as a community first, which is really interesting. I so Wade, Wade, the founder, uh, he sold Bano to Jack Henry. So he was very successful in doing that. And then he started this thing, opened up a repo on GitHub called Move, and he was open sourcing a bunch of stuff. So it truly did start as like this community driven project, first and foremost. Nice. And then he got a seed round and it was like, oh, actually, I think we can turn this thing into like a product and a business. So it was baked in the company's DNA from like from day zero, right? Like community awesome.
1: first. Gotta love so, uh,
2: by naturally joining that team and following Wade, it was just like we were community first. I know a lot of people say they're about thinking, but it truly was like, no, like Wade's been doing this. Slack channel thing for, you know, a year. And then he, you know, decided to actually turn this thing into to a product.
1: That's so awesome. Yeah. Like, we see people like, oh, build a community, building. Okay. But like, you have to set me up with the right tools to build a community. Come on now. Like, it's not just answer, like, respond to, responding to like emails is a thing and responding to social media comments is a thing. When you really dive into community, it's like what you're saying. It's a bunch of people that are coming together around a brand or around a certain culture that like really organically feed off each other, which sorry, but that's a goldmine. And
2: it happens in multiple ways too, right? We dealt with this a little bit too. We very much internally at Move started referring to our Slack community as our community. And Wade would nudge us and my us, like, yeah, this is like what started it. But like, what else like, this isn't, what about the people who aren't in the Slack community? Who, yeah, yeah. They work at big corporations, and they won't let them join a, a Slack channel, right? Or whatever. So yeah, that's, that, that's actually what spawned then the physical presence of the conference FinTech DevCon. And so there was another kind of, you know, pillar to like boost the community. And it was driven by the community. But I think that's another mistake people think. It's like, oh, we're going to do a community. Let's start a free Slack channel.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. our community,
2: like done. And that's it. Or like, let's have a a Friday meetup, you know, once a month and like done, that's it. So I think it's got to go both ways. Like you can start it in one thing, one tactic, but then like, think of it holistically, like where else can you meet people where they're already at? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. It's really cool when you can pull people from digital to like face to face in person and, you know, keep all that, you know, foster all that in between the, you know, the cycle. So totally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I have been a part of some communities that weren't really, but also some that are are really doing actually we have I have friends who have started a company called the Community Factory. And that's actually what their marketers who are now an event people who are have made a business around helping companies build community in proper ways. So Ooh, gosh, um, yeah, hoping to have them on I'm here before too long. All right. So in our communication pre-show, you mentioned you get excited about the mix of product marketing, content, and community. I do also. In fact, yes. yeah, one of my job researches in the last few years, I was, I was trying to create a position for myself really in the event technology world with um, talking to founders and CEOs that I knew Putting myself at the center of the flywheel because of my diverse background of having worked in development and, you know, for marketing and in sales, kind of like feeling like these are things that all should work in concert and not be in silos or having like one person drops out of the funnel and then they go over to the next thing or whatever. So, but one thing you didn't mention in there is sales. So I want, I'm curious because I always include that in the mix. What, where do you think sales fits in that? whole thing.
2: Yeah, it's a good call out. I absolutely love sales. Partner with them closely on all my endeavors. I think my answer there about like where I fit the, you know, product marketing community content is really driven from the startups I've joined have usually been like really engineering led and product led. So sales has always been in that mix, but it was kind of like the engineers because it was a technical founder, it was kind of like engineers and product really like led the way. Not like their word was gospel, but it kind of was. So there was always sales teams around and, and doing things and we were, you know, delivering things that they could use for calls. But at the end of the day, it was like we were just so focused on what engineering was building. And what you know, supporting the, the product team. So sometimes I do. I not that I forget about sales, but it's like I always viewed sales over here, and that's really just because of the companies I've been with. I think I'm getting better at you know including them in my mix, and it's certainly where I'm at today at Orem, like we work hand in hand in sales. And actually, my leader actually oversees sales, marketing, and CS. So it's a whole new world for me at Orem, which I actually am okay. loving because it gets all three of those pillars like on the same page. We all have aligned goals. I um, mean, I've never had that before. I've always We said sales as a completely separate area.
0: Yeah. And that puts the person in charge of revenue, not just sales, right? Because revenue as part of CS has a huge influence on selling new products and getting current customers on board with with new things and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Interesting to me is Gong, the last company I worked for used the sales folks used Gong and I had access to listen. And for me in marketing, it was really neat insight to hear how the customers or the prospects what questions they're asking what words they're using and then that can be very influential and maybe how you're going to write about how to use something or to try to onboard people um onto new to new elements or to prospect really like it's it's like if they're using a feeling word like use that you you maybe use that word and that kind of stuff so
2: i was just because it's funny you mentioned gong because i have a a weekly slot on my calendar to just listen to gong calls i don't hit it every week but it's there as like a nudge and you know probably every Two or three weeks, I actually make that time. But it is, you're absolutely right. Like if you know, you just listen to those customers, they often will tell you how to describe something in plain English, not marketing buzzwords, right? And of course it might not be right, but it's like, oh, that like, let me listen to that again. Oh, that was that's exactly right. That's the little snippet I need, right? And that's like that's the headline for the next thing we're working on. So yeah, it's it's such an amazing tool.
0: For sure. I have a friend who's working for a company called Vitable. It's a startup within an existing company called Sonic Foundry. And it occurred to me because basically what they're doing, they can take an entire catalog, like years of videos and using AI pull sentiment out of it. And I was like, oh, that'd be really good if you're you know recording your sales calls on Gong to give you a tool to do that. Yeah. To not even just use your ears and take notes to like have this thing. And then you can look at it over time, right? So um, it's just like magic. Very cool. All right. That is cool. So totally nerding out.
1: All right, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sentiment is a really big deal. That's for sure, which kind yeah. of ties into it. We've kind of talked a little bit about silos and also, you know, this whole thing does tie into the customer experience. We've had two notable customer experience pros on our show already. And the most notable being, of course, Dan Gingis, who's all about aviation, Jen. And so, our listeners, if you don't know Dan, you need to check him out, come to our show notes and look for his episode. But in a recent blog post, yours, you wrote, quote, customer experience refers to every touch point that buyers have with your company or product and their overall perception of these interactions. CX, customer experience, spans the entire customer journey from discovery to post-purchase. That's a key right yes. there that a lot of people forget. And so Megan's going to talk to you next about the development, how the development cycle plays a part in this. But first... I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to get everyone in a company to buy into this notion that we move together versus everyone just kind of doing their own thing and working in their own silo. And then, of course, also what happens after?
2: Yeah, I I think step one, like it goes to what you just read that I'd read about, (laughs) like, just let's start with defining what we mean by that customer journey, right? Because it's just, it's a different mindset to think, okay, well, how are we supporting customers when they fire us and they don't want to use our product and they want all their data? Like, do we make that possible for them? Do we make that really challenging for them? If we do make it really challenging, does that map to our company mission of, you know, X, Y, Z? No, it doesn't. Oh, maybe we should have a really nice flow to easily export your data or whatever, right? But I think you have to start with step one, like, hey, just like, let's define what we mean by this customer experience and this customer journey. If it's only yeah. these first three things, well, then we've got to dig into that because I view it's it's these you know, eight things and you're over here saying it's only these three things. So until we get a a common definition, then we're, you know, always going to be, you know, battling each other, be working on different pieces of that that aren't coherent.
1: Yeah, so true. It's all about cohesion and everyone having coming together on a common goal and placing out, Okay, who's got these deliverables? How are we going to make this entire customer experience happen from this point to this point? There's a lot of moving wheels that go into customer experience.
2: And it's it's hard too, especially in early stage startups, which is often where I am working, where you can recognize that and have that as your definition. But you can Mm -hmm. also recognize like, yep, we I don't have the resources to do seven and eight really good right now. We can agree yeah. like this is our shared definition and we want to do the great exporting of data when, you know, a customer wants to leave us. We just don't have that capability right now or the resources or whatever. But as long as, you know, there's a mechanism to track that, if it's an item on the roadmap or an ideas portal or like somewhere to at least vouch for like, yep, we believe in that thing. We know that's yeah. important. We just can't do it right now. That's I, not know, that's in another, our spot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of an an ideas portal. That's something that we currently don't really have something official for that at our company, which I might have to bring to someone's attention. I think that would be a great thing for what I, I work at an agency, and sometimes you have an idea for a client that's not even necessarily yours but like you have this idea that you know could work for somebody else's client why not put it out there somewhere instead of just keep it locked up in your head and forget about it later
2: yeah ideas portals are great and there's lots of great software now that makes it really easy to yeah. up little ideas portals and the key there is just having someone that's like owning it or reviewing it otherwise it's like oh that feature is a back, backlog That's like where all features go to die, right? It's like, oh, the backlog, like it's five miles long. We have this thing, but
1: we're not going to do anything with it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but if you have a culture of like, no, every two weeks, someone who's owning this thing is reviewing and deciding how to move things forward or to archive it or say, nope, this doesn't make sense, you know. That's kind of the key is someone just curating it and managing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Make it happen. Yeah.
0: StreamYard, if you know StreamYard, they are a live streaming company. They, I don't know if, th- I think they're still doing them. They were, for the first several years of the company, doing Sunday night town halls where they were nice. addressing things that had come up. And then because it's live, you know, you, you could ask questions while they were on so and scary. they'd allow time for that and stuff, which I thought was super cool. And so they'd talk about also things that were on the roadmap, you know, that are coming up and kind Concerns that people, you know, may have had and whatnot, which is, I felt like was super cool.
1: That is really cool. Yeah. Information directly from your customer.
0: Yeah. It's hard to scale that, right? When you get it, like, as you grow. But I think it still shows, especially when it's the founders, it shows a lot of heart and that they really, you know, they care what the customers think and, and stuff. So... All right. I began my career working in software companies, hired to be a technical writer in my first three jobs. Um writing yes. users, yeah, writing users guides. I love technical health.
2: writers. I love technical <laughs> writers.
0: Back before APIs were even a thing. This Because I'm a dinosaur. (laughs) So in those roles, I was part of the development team. So, But I really wanted to be part of marketing. So I used to joke that I was like an honorary part of the marketing team because my personality fit more with those folks than it did really with the developers. So I think you have a perspective on this. So do you think tech writers should actually sit in marketing or should they sit in development?
2: Oh, God. Somehow I knew you would ask me this question. My answer may surprise you. I actually think technical writers should sit in development, and that's contradictory to what I had at MOVE. I had a technical writer and a senior content writer, and I'm a writer, so we made the decision there. To have us all live together under marketing. But over time, I definitely saw the benefits of having that technical writer more closely aligned with product. It's almost like technical writer was the BFFs with the product manager. It was like, you know, half step behind them following their work and kind of documenting all the technical things on the doc site, like in pseudo real time. I enjoyed having that person on the marketing team. And your point, Megan, is, you know, we all were writers. So we it was easy to collaborate and bounce each other ideas off each other. It's always nice to have a great editor or someone review your work. But I felt sometimes we almost pulled her too far into marketing stuff. Mm. And then it was taken away and it took me a little bit to figure that out. And then we actually ended up moving her back to sit under the product team. But yeah, okay. I actually think that technical writers should sit with the PMs huh. and engineers.
0: And it's just not the peons. You know, what's funny, though. So what I would end up doing, I would get the specs, but more often than not, the specs couldn't keep up with what was actually being developed. So I would follow the specs to try to to use the software, but I was really writing the instructions based on my experience with the software, not right, not from what the specs said, because they usually weren't in alignment. But, and we'll talk a little bit about release notes later. Yeah, so that's that's total nerd territory. All right, we uh, like to take a brain break, and so this time our brain break question is: What's the best thing you accomplished in 2023, either personal or professional, that was on your goal list at the start of that year? We all write goals, right? We all. Some people make resolutions. Still, I don't. I think resolutions are just made to be broken. So I just like to set goals and. And just set things that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to do—mind, body, spirit—that kind of the, in those mm-hmm. kind of categories. Jen, what was something in 23 that you set out to do that you got done?
1: Well, so normally I would pick to do something professional, but in 2023, I don't feel I don't feel like I had much of a choice. I think the thing that I accomplished that is probably the most significant and probably exciting and surprising was planning my upcoming wedding that's in April. We've already done the bachelorette party. We already have like so many of the things already planned and lined out. In fact, when I met with the venue and my wedding coordinator in... November, they're like, "Oh, you're basically done." I'm like, Wait, "Am I?" Uh, like, so I've been so Type A about planning my wedding. Like, you should see the spreadsheet. Megan and I should probably share the spreadsheet with you. It's <laughs> hilarious. Very in depth. It's everything that my wedding coordinator probably already has lined out, but I did it too, and she doesn't know I did it. It's like, <laughs> Also, my dining room where I normally like would post a beautiful picture of my laptop with the background. The background is wedding stuff behind my laptop. So I think I did a wonderful job in 2023 of planning my wedding,
0: <laughs> and now That's I don't. Awesome. Have just- I don't That's really know a,
1: a lot
0: about it. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, you were stressing out a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what you like just because you it's should cool. be. Like you think, oh, it's gotta yeah, you're I like it's it, only 170 it, days away. I'm like Wait, <laughs> but you're now done. it's like hundred
1: and <laughs> something. It's like hundred and six. It's coming in waves. Yeah. I think in April That's it's funny. gonna smack me in the face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. I'll be going right from your wedding into running an event of my own in DC. Oh, um so that'll be fun. Or <laughs> uh, Brian, what about you?
2: So my fun and big thing was I launched the fintech marketers job board. Like I, I have this habit and I'm sure many marketers do is I buy domain names when I think of them and then they're available and I, sit on them and it's like, oh, that'd be that's a sweet domain. I you know, it's 10 bucks a year. Might as well buy that. So I have too many domain names that are just sitting there. And then every year I renew them. FinTech Marketers, <laughs> though, I was like, oh, I can do something with this. And I had I'd owned it for quite a while. But after I went on my hiatus and literally that's how that was born. It's like, I just want one darn place to see all the fintech marketing jobs that are out there. And that didn't exist. So I was like, oh, I have this domain, like let's just spin up a little job board and Make it happen. So that's been super fun to work on and gotten connected with a lot of awesome marketers that way. Um, so yeah, that that was my big thing. I, I pushed out the door finally. That's Dang. very cool.
0: Now, does it Yeehaw. crawl the sites? Does it like crawl Indeed and crawl LinkedIn and stuff to pull the jobs,
2: or do you have to do that manually? It can. I'm choosing not to do that. I'm doing it okay. all manually because some of the crawling, it just like I'd rather be like accurate and updated and really good info. So yeah, it's all manual. Or people can submit their own as well. So it's a, a mix of me adding stuff and then other people just coming there and adding free job listings as well.
0: That's cool. And is like this week in FinTech, do they share it out for you? Are you getting play from media? I've gotten cases?
2: some, cr- 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 when I first launched, yeah, there was definitely some link sharing uh, happening with just industry friends that were, you know, gracious to post about it. So yeah, it's been, it's been cool. And it's been fun starting a new LinkedIn account, you know, for, a page for that. And literally starting with zero followers and seeing it slowly climb up to 400, which nice. I know like is nothing, right? But it's like, man, that's 400 people that are choosing to follow yeah. this page out of nowhere and uh, that's been really fun. So.
0: It's really good for a company page, to be honest, because company it pages... Really like, is. It really is. Yeah, all, for right? For small organizations, especially when it's like your side hustle. <laughs> like, like, yeah. For real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah love that's it. true. That's there
2: are good. there are some big companies and you see how many followers they have or how often they post and it's just sad. So yeah, you're right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I don't really try. I I just push to my personal because that's where I get all the traction. But that's a show yep. for another... <laughs> that's another yeah, show. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done
1: LinkedIn in a while.
0: <laughs> right? So mine was... This is... Kind kind of weird, silly, whatever. I don't know what it is. But I, I wanted to be fully employed for the, the whole 12 months. And I managed to be because I, you know, I've had my own company since 13. And I made the decision a few years ago, they wanted to go work for someone else. And so that Getting there, though, like I said, I was trying to make a position for myself. That was the beginning of it. I wasn't just going to spray my resume out. I wanted to be very intentional. If I'm going to go work for someone else again, I want to do what I want to do. And so I've gone through sort of stops and starts. And anyway, I I managed to quit a job without a job. And then I only got like six days off or something before um, I accepted the new position. And so I was like, hey, that was pretty good. I've always said, I know so many people and they know I'm good. Like, what? I wish someone would just be like, hey, why don't you just come work for me? And that's basically what happened. So, (laughs) yeah, so it's been I've been still looking for work, but like it's not been stressful at all, which is um, Yeah really really exciting for it's me It's a good
2: spot to be in yeah yeah
0: yeah real. especially because covid was a whole you know as you know it was a whole thing kind of so my word for 24 is momentum so I want to like keep oh nice keep it going last Love year that. was intentional and um and now I'm gonna keep my mojo going my, oh, no. uh, all right. Thing. All right, Jen, it's let's manage. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's kick off the <laughs> second half. <laughs> all right. So okay.
1: So here's something that I see often as a social media manager. And of course, also when I was a community manager, there's things that the customer feels like they need but then there's things that the company is focused on when it comes to ROI and you know financial goals and things like that so how can marketers do a better job of responding to the needs of the customer versus the needs and desire of you know the company to, to just drive revenue or how do we bridge the gap between satisfying what the customer thinks is important and what the executives you know or the boards actually what, like it's all yeah. it's, I feel like it's a fight. Like there's something missing there. Like the client, I feel like the customer client is saying, blah, 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 blah. blah. And a lot of the time trying to run that up the chain is uh, makes you want to scream. <laughs> so, what do you think is the answer here?
2: I tend to think of these things as a product manager would. So i w- I was a product manager for a couple of years. and then, I went back to marketing, uh, but I've always worked very closely with product managers. So I have a very like product focused mindset, but it's, it's, I view it no differently than a product manager. Like there's an infinite number of things to go build and it's choosing like the right things at the right time. Right. And it's no different than there's an infinite number of marketing things to do for your clients at an agency or just in, if you're in house or whatever. Right. And it's about aligning on what are we, what's the most important right now. And there's all sorts of, you know, frameworks for doing that and simple ones like, what's the effort and impact of that thing. And you can you know go yeah. through all the things that are on the board and come up with a score for each one. And not that that's your answer, but that directionally might give you an indication of like, okay, here's the things that are bubbling to the top. When I was a product manager, that was a, a tactic we would do. Again, not that that, you know, the score is the end all be all, but again, it kind of gives you a direction. So I think having some sort of framework, whatever that is, of yeah. how you handle the endless, request and that can happen in a a bunch of different ways but you got to have something that gives you that mechanism to say like yep we got it captured we hear you, we see you. Um, yeah. But right now, here's, you know, that here's what's aligned with our roadmap and our in our strategy as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I can kind of see that the company that I work pretty closely with. It's a tool called Agora Pulse that I I use in my company and personally, I, it's always been a thing. Like even when they were small, like all you would have to do is email the person that you knew what was in charge and you'd be like, okay, we're gonna make that happen. It would happen probably the next week. Now it's a lot different. Because they've grown a lot as a company, but still, like, if you say, Hey, we're seeing this with our agency, how can we make this happen? They're like, You know what? We're going to put that into our little thing and we're going to see how we like, we're going to survey yeah. who all has this need and put it in an, in an order of priority, you know, that kind of thing, which I, I like. Yeah, the framework is a very smart idea. And it's really cool as a customer when you can see that happening.
2: The other yeah, thing I would no do you push back. To yeah. push and back on execs. Back.
1: If you need and to push back. Yeah, exactly. Like, here's I, the data. That's the flip uh-huh. side. You're right. talking data. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And pushing back to it, you know, and maybe this sounds too idealistic, but it's like, if you're aligned on what the goals are, whether you use OKRs or whatever, it gives you a way to push back. It's, you know, when that request comes in, it's like, hey, that sounds like an awesome idea. How does that align to X, Y, Z goal that we just all agreed on three months ago? Yeah. And then it just, it gives us space to be like, Oh, uh, well, it doesn't. And then say, like, okay, yeah. so does the goal need to change? Like, where does this? Or, you know, it just opens up space. But again, you have to get aligned on goals first with that, whether it's a, a client or internally. But if you have alignment on goals, then that's really your strategy. And then it gives you that mechanism to say, like, hey, cool idea, but this fits nothing that we already agreed yeah. on, you know, for the <laughs> yeah. quarter's goals. So
0: cool, uh, cool idea, bro, CEO, but we're not <laughs> yeah. going to do that. <laughs> no. That's funny. Okay. So things have evolved over the years in how software companies let customers know about updates, right? Like we used to, as I said, we used to publish release notes when we shipped. I was going to ask you if our release notes still a thing. And then I remembered that Clubhouse. Do we remember Clubhouse? So Clubhouse, yeah. they every week they put release notes. So when you like when you logged in, it would, yeah. it would ask you, do you want to read? And I'm like the, the nerd that read all of the release notes every time they published them because I was so curious what was different. But I feel like we all use so much SaaS software, right? Like, and I, I yep. it's like keeping up. I feel like every company kind of handles how they share what the updates are in in very different ways. So, do you have any thoughts on what do you think is the best way to inform customers about updates? And of course, this this might this might um, link back to where the the tech writer sits, but I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of back to what we were talking about with community. It's about like meeting mm-hmm. people where they're at right? So I don't think it's a, should we do release notes or should we do a monthly email? I think it's, we should do all of the above, right? Because people are going to, just like you, uh, Megan, it's like, oh yeah, I'm the same way. It's like release notes. If they're written well, And some companies like Slack have gotten really fun. Like they have a very clear tone and voice and great puns in their release notes and all that stuff, right? Which is a joy. So I will read those. Other people will never read them, but they'll love a monthly newsletter that like recaps the new stuff that shipped over the last month. So I don't, I think it's more about thinking about thoughtfully, where can we meet our customers? Sometimes that's going to be release notes. Sometimes it's going to be a little pop-up message in app if it's contextual and not too noisy. Other times it's going to be an email roundup. And again, it's, you don't have to go ham and do all those things at once, but I think it's, you know, doing those things, measuring them, seeing if people are looking at them and then kind of tacking on the the next way uh, that you can meet customers where they're at.
0: That's a great point. I do know yeah. that like when it comes up in Slack, I'm like, I usually I'm on a mission when I open, well, I usually have something yeah, I'm yeah. going in there to do. So sometimes I'll click through because I think they do it right yeah. by like, these are the things and it pops like, this is new and you can do this and you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But I got, it's, I got to send this message. Uh, stat. <laughs>
2: I've also found that surprisingly, uh, even at Orem, like our release notes, like our sales team leverages it, right? So that's a whole nother audience, like just internal users. There's so much going on at an early stage startup and stuff is shipping left and right. And we, of course we update everyone on Slack, but even that can be hard. So literally like our, our sales team was asking, they're like, what's, where's, where can I just get a list of the latest stuff that shipped? I was like, well, do you go to our release notes? They're like, oh yeah, you're right. This is great. So even keeping that in mind as an audience, which sounds silly, but like it works, right? If sales needs a quick hit list of just to like remind themselves where what's, you know, shipped over the last couple months, uh, that can be a great way to accomplish that as well.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a new feature to me. It might not be all that new, but I like the pinning feature in Slack. Yeah. You can pin yep. a link to a folder or to a document or, or whatever um, at the top of the channel. I think that's super helpful because I'm always like, where does that walking deck live? And it's like, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're going to bring your career <laughs>
1: full circle here. Yes. Having spent most of your time in the fintech space and having been the initial marketing person in so many startups, what play or framework have you been carrying along with you from startup to startup?
2: Yeah, there's uh, one and I can't take credit for it. I learned it from, I had been doing it, but I hadn't, you know, articulated it so nicely and actually, you know, put it in a framework, uh, but from a A product marketing manager, I hired uh, Courtney. Shout out to Courtney at uh, Hummingbird. But she has this great framework for just product launches. And it's a very simple way to, uh, you know, identify is this a, a P1 or a P4, P1 being the biggest, you know, your your website's changing, you're doing a press release, you're doing a video, like you're doing all the things on the menu. Yeah. And then a P4 is like, oh, that's probably a rele- release notes update. And like, that's it. Right. Or release notes in the email, right? So it's it gives everyone in the company a really simple way to just rally around like, okay, this thing, the engineering and products telling us they're building, is that a P1 or is that a P4? And it helps everyone oh. to plan and get aligned. And then we have some indication of like, oh, okay, that's a P2. Here's about the things that we're probably going to do for that a blog post. And, you know, it's got kind of a menu, but and, and, and it's flexible. It doesn't mean like, oh, a P2, you just have to do these five things. But again, it like directionally, it gives everyone involved, like just an idea of like, okay, how big is this launch? How much time does marketing need to do our thing? Mm -hmm. Um, All that good stuff. So that framework, uh, has been really, really great. And I've carried it with me and implemented it here at ORM as well.
1: Yeah, that sounds like it would be really helpful. Like how much energy is going to be, how many energy and how many kinds of tasks are going to be going into this launch. (laughs) That's a great thing. We have kind of the same thing in our agency, like where, you know, like depending on their scope of work, you know, like, okay, this, this, and this, it's nice to just like everyone be on the same page and a said document like that sounds like it'd be insanely helpful. Um, it has well, been. And I've, for we, communication.
2: I've been doing a lot of launches in my career and we've always, mm-hmm. you know, sized them and said like, oh, this is a really big deal. you yeah. know. But it wasn't until Courtney introduced me to this, just the simple, you know, P1 through P4. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. that makes a ton of sense. That's way <laughs> better. A scale of
1: one just, to four. It,
2: it gives us a shared language and like a yeah. shared understanding of like what goes into these launches, which is, again, I think we've all been doing launches. But now, like, here's our our map to just so we are saying the same thing and speaking the same language.
1: Yeah. Anything like that can always be helpful on a team, especially if you need one in time frame for turnaround. Be very important, especially. And then
0: like, so like your content calendar then is mm-hmm. it's part of that entire. It could be P1 through P4. Yep,
2: exactly. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
0: All right. Very cool. All righty. We are close to the end. We'd like to ask every guest the same closing question. And this season, it is, what is one business challenge you've experienced in your career and how did you overcome Mm -hmm. it? Or what did you learn from it that might help our friends out there?
2: Yeah. So we mentioned at the start of the call that I I went on a little hiatus. And so I'll speak to that and just lessons learned. And it is really... And I'm continuously learning this, but getting burnt out is very real. I think all of us have experienced that a lot the last few years. But I reached a point at movie, even though I'm close with the founding team there and followed Wade around for years. I kept a lot of that burnt out in. I didn't tell anyone about it until it was too late. It was like, I was so fried and I literally had to like, Quit and walk away and like just get offline for several months. So, my lesson that I'm learning and still always working on is just like sharing more of what's going on with you and your capacity and your mental well being and all of that. Of course, that takes trust with your manager or the culture of the company. So, like that has to be in place first, obviously. Right. Um, But if that's there, like it's on you kind of to share some of those things with your boss because then it makes those conversations a little more easier to come into and be like, man, I am fried. And it's like, okay, I hear you. I see you like, let's work together on how we can ease up for the next few weeks or what do you need? So I can support you all that. But I didn't have that. I bottled it all in and then I didn't know what to do and freaked out. And I was like, yeah. I need to just go be offline for uh, you know four months and not do anything and kind of rekindle my spirit and my well-being. So um, that's the lesson I, I continuously learn is just being vulnerable and telling yeah. your boss about like what's going on in your life to the extent you feel comfortable, obviously. Right. And If you have that trust with him, it's a pretty beautiful thing because then you can support each other with with some of those those hurdles in life and and work.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and it it can manifest itself in different ways, right? You could have ended up having like a different attitude at work with people not really knowing why you were behaving a certain way or why you reacted a certain way to something that you normally wouldn't have. Um, Yeah, so if if you don't verbalize it, then... People, you know, will just be like, "What? what's his deal? Yeah.
2: You, you said it well, Megan. It's that reminder, too, of like, we're all going through stuff. So if mm-hmm. someone is yeah. acting a little funky, it's always like, take a take a step in. Man, man, I hope they're okay. Or I wonder if they're going through something, you know? So, yeah, it's such a good yeah. reminder.
0: Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, and you went offline, but then you created a website. So you totally <laughs> <What? went.
2: laughs> I, I literally, I'm a big runner. So I was like running every day. And then yes, I was kicking around this passion project, but it was, it was a really uh, like hard time because I stepped away from something that on paper seemed really, really good. And, but I, I needed it. I need to just heal some things up with myself, my family, all that good stuff. So yeah. I was running a lot of miles and doing a lot of thinking, which was beautiful. Uh, Yeah. So someday I will get back to that place, but it won't be because I, you know, was overloaded. It'll be because I'm, I don't know, maybe I don't have to work anymore. or One of these startups made it big and I have enough money to just step away for a little bit. That'll be, uh, that'll be a a good reason to to quit and walk away. So. (laughs)
0: Exit money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Something tells me you'd be back um, before too long anyway, because you got the, <laughs> new idea. you got the bug. I'll put
2: one of those domains. I'll go see which domains I still own and figure out what to, to do with one of them. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for being with us. This is really an awesome potpourri. Of, I still have no idea what I'm going to call the episode, but um, we'll see. I'll try to come up with something clever. Thanks for being with us today.
2: Yeah, it's been awesome. Fun stuff, you guys. I really appreciate y'all having me on.
0: Thanks. All right. And thank you, Jen. I won't see you. I don't know when I'm going to see you again. Oh, no, it'll be a couple of weeks. We got another couple of yeah. recordings. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> like,
1: uh, right. like the withdrawals that happen <laughs> when we don't see each other on camera. They're real.
0: All right, friends. Thanks so much for listening. This has been episode 141 of the Making a Marketer podcast. And we will catch you next time.